will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. There's been a pandemic. There've been protests. Sometimes it's hard to even remember what the world was like before now. And yet the gospel is still good news and heaven still rejoices over the number one. To make Jesus known, we each have to start with one lost person. Think about it. If I were to ask you who's your one, would you have an answer? I know it's hard. Your one might be someone hiding in plain sight. And sometimes, let me tell you about Jesus, just doesn't feel like the most natural way to have a conversation. But we're in this together. Tens of thousands of believers have found their one, and you can learn from them. Listen, everyone is talking about how the world has changed, but one person sharing Christ with one other person, that is real change. And it comes when you answer the question, who's your one? Amen, amen. So glad that you guys are here. Uh, as I mentioned previously, my name is Misael. I have the privilege of being the Connections Pastor here at Southridge, um, as well as lead one of the most, uh, one of the best groups, actually, I believe, Mosaic, for all my young adults, that's right. Yes. There you go. There's a few here. If you're not, there is other life groups, and you could call it your best when you show up. But uh, for me, it's Mosaic, so thank you so much. And let me tell you, I am so excited to be able to share the Word of God with you guys today. Uh, Pastor Jane and Pastor Micaiah are traveling, but they will be back with us next Sunday. Uh, so if you don't like what I say or even like the way I look, he looks better than I do. So you can come see him next week. Uh, but for now, just smile and make me feel like you understand, even if you don't. All right. <laughs> uh, but today, I, well, before we get started, I just want to start by saying thank you to our pastors, uh, Pastor Jane and Pastor Micaiah, for allowing me the privilege to be able to share with you guys. Also, our wonderful teams and leaders that we have here on site. Can we give it up for our volunteers really quick? Let's give it up for our volunteers. Uh, everything you see happen. Um, we have a saying that says service starts before the service, right? Because they're serving and preparing this house for you to receive. And I also want to say a thank you to my beautiful wife who's up front today and my family who always create the space to allow me to prepare for the word. Uh, but with that said, let's dive into God's word. Amen. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the, to me, one of the most frustrating things in life, one of the most annoying things is losing my keys. Anybody else? Yeah. Or losing your cell phone, right? Or you go out to eat and then you start looking for your wallet and you can't find it. Like, ugh. <laughs> You always lose things at the mo in the most inopportune time, right? It's like, out of all the days for me to be late to work, it has to be today, <laughs> right? And I don't know if you guys do this. I started doing the whole tappity tap, the start checking all the pockets, yeah? And then if you're really cool, you start looking around like it went, like it just fell out of my pocket, right? Uh, and then you have those uh, good friends, and I call them good friends because they ask you the smart questions. Where did you leave it last? <laughs> if I knew that. <laughs> but great friends, right? Because there's good friends, but great friends stop what they're doing and they help you look for it, 
right? They actually start looking in their chairs. They start moving because you can't stay in the same place to find what you lost, right? Because after you do the old tapity tap tap, that doesn't get you anywhere. You have to start looking under chairs, under things. You have to start looking elsewhere from where you are, right? And a lot of times we are good friends. And what do I mean by that? We identified who was lost or are one, right? We know that because we wrote their names up here, right? We're good friends. But great friends don't just put their names up there. They actually go after their one. They don't ask the question. They actually move from where they are, and they start reaching out and connecting or finding a way to bring them to Jesus, right? Our mission statement here at Southridge is leading people to find and follow Jesus, Right. So if I just said that but didn't do it, then I really wouldn't. I would just be a good friend. I'm not a great friend. See, and, and I like and I like that because in when we when we talk about going after our one, we can't stay still. And if the title for the message is going after your one and there's several parables in the Bible that talk about it. We, we hear the parable of uh, the shepherd who left the ninety nine sheep to go after the one. Right. Uh, I like the other one because it has to do with money. The lady who lost one coin, even though she had 10. And it says she tore up her house. She cleaned. She moved everything like some of you guys do or some of you guys don't. You guys just going to rub it under the shove it under the rug. Right. And she moved everything until she found the one coin. And after she found it, she went and started telling all her neighbors, I found my coin. I found it. In your case, it'd be like finding a hundred dollar bill after you lose it. Right. Because there's value in it. It's important to you. How important is your one to you? Are you willing to be uncomfortable to go after them after you wrote their name on the cross? Are you willing to move from where you are to reach your one? And I was going to try to keep this on, but I feel a little stuck. So just bear with me. Ah, thank you. So I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14 with me. Genesis chapter 14. And as you guys are looking it up, I got to give you some context before we dive into today's word, uh, because we're going to jump into the middle of a story. And we're going to be starting in verse 11, but verses 1 and 10, something really interesting happens. Abraham, the father of our faith, right? Here he's still called Abram. He is uh, hanging out, just doing his thing, living day to day. But a war erupts amongst other kings, right? So if you're wondering where they got the idea for Game of Thrones, this was a chapter, right? (laughs) So uh, these kings start fighting over land, right? And then because they're not strong enough, they start creating alliances. And as they start creating all these alliances, they start battling each other. So finally we get to this last battle, And it's five kings versus four, or the north versus the south, if you're watching Game of Thrones, right? So there becomes this huge battle. And what ends up happening is in the battle, the five kings who are supposed to take the victory get their butts kicked, (laughs) right? And the five kings end up running away, and they're being chased by the other alliance of four kings, And in that process, this is where we're going to jump in. That's what happened from verse 1 to 10. And we're going to jump right into verse 11. And it says like this. The four kings took all the good of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food and went on. 
They also took Abram's nephew, Lot, and his possessions, for he was living in Sodom. And they went on. Verse 13, if you have your Bibles, if you have the Southwest, go ahead and highlight the first portion of verse 13 for me. And one of the survivors came and told Abram. One of the survivors came and told Abram, the Hebrew who lived near Oak, belonging to Mamre, Amorite, and the brother of Eschol, and the brother of Aner. They were bound by a treaty with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled 300, 318 trained men. Sounds like the movie 300, right? That's where they got it from, too. I'm just throwing it out there. It's a movie day. <laughs> 318 trained men born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he and his servants developed, uh, deployed against them by night, defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah to the north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also his relative lot and his goods, as well as the women and the other people. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the message that you have for us today. I ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive it. And I thank you for the great harvest that's going to come from it. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Amen. So I want to go back to verse 13, that portion that I had you guys highlight. And it's one survivor came. One survivor came and told Abraham. Now, I told you there was five kings who were beat down and they were ran away. And it got me questioning or got me thinking, if there was five kings, why would the one or one of the survivors that got away go back to Abram? Didn't, did the kings not have any friends? Did they not have any relatives? Did they not have anybody else that they could reach out to or he can go to, right? Now, this survivor is special because if I got away, I'm not going to go see nobody. I'm trying to get somewhere as far as I can, right? But he made it a point to see Abram or Abraham. And it got me thinking, Abraham is just a regular old guy living on somebody's land. What would possess this person not to go find another king or an alliance to come back and save his people or his family? See, the reason this survivor went to Abram is because he went to the one who knew somebody who could do something about it. Let me explain it to you this way. Your friends come to you because they know you can do something about their problem. Or maybe they just want to tell you about it. But they're not just telling you. They want to hear some feedback. Now, you don't need to have all the answers, but you do need to know the one who does have all the answers. See, the survivor knew that Abraham may not be the strongest man, but he knew the king of kings and lord of lords. See, Abraham didn't know uh, how to get to them, but he knew who would guide him through. See, a lot of times we wonder, why are people coming up to me? Why, why, Why would they, out of all the people, they had come to talk to me, Right? Like, I'm just trying to eat my lunch. Why do you come talk to me right now? This is my space, bro. (laughs) Why? Or the better question is, why are they not coming to you? Is it that your life Monday through Saturday doesn't reflect Christ? I like the way somebody said it. Is your life Christian light or is it Christ-like? Right? Light, better tasting, less filling. And a lot of times we, we have to wonder, why are people not coming to tell me about their lost one? 
Am I being a good example, representing Christ enough to those around me outside of Sundays? Right? Because if we're we're really real about it, Sundays are just not enough. See, what you do with your spiritual life Monday through Saturday reflects on other people. People want to encounter God. They're praying for someone and they're looking at you. Let me put it to you this way. So everybody except for my kids have cell phones, right? You pay for your cell phone a month in advance, correct? Or you pay your monthly bill because you want service. True or not true? You want constant service. If you paid your bill and only got four or five days of service, you'd be, you'd be upset. You, some of you guys get mad because there's no service in here. We did it on purpose. <laughs> I'm kidding. But you get upset because you pay because you want a constant connection, but you only got four or five days use out of it. Imagine that God sent his only begotten son to pay for all your sins, to have an eternal connection with you, but you only give him four or five days of eternal connection. And it's hard to process because at the end of the day, it's, but Misa, I just don't have the time. Really? I saw you over here, Netflix and chill. I'm kidding. (laughs) Season eight, going strong, eight hours in. Everybody's going to befriend me on, on Facebook. Like, I can't. i got to hide this one from Pastor. <laughs> See, but the reason people are not coming to you is because you know about the service, but you don't know the provider. Let me say that again. You know about the service Sundays, 1030. So glad you're here. But you don't know the reason why we're here. See, if you really knew the provider, then people would be like, hey, I need you to pray with me. As a matter of fact, uh, my kiddos started playing football and cheer, and I was all excited. I was like, great, right? And I'm that dad that's really involved. And when I mean involved, I'm sideline coaching. You hit the wrong way. Tackle him, right? <laughs> like, do that again. And I remember because when we signed up, one of, the, one of the stipulations we had is like, hey, you just can't play on Sundays because Sunday we donate to God or we give to God. Right. And I remember the coaches weren't very happy with me, but I, t- I sent them all an email. I was like, hey, we're going to support the team. We'll be there at practice. And I talked to my kids as well. I said, hey, we believe in Christ. He died on the cross for you and I. Sunday's our day where we connect with God. We recharge. And then we still have our daily devotionals. But Sundays, if you have a game, don't plan on going like that's just it. And I remember the coaches were upset, but I just left it as is. And last week, unfortunately, one of the kids in Michael's team was hit by a car. Uh, 10 years old, very, and it was very hard to process. And I remember everybody was, we have a, a group chat. Uh, if you're in a group chat, please just send one message. Don't send happy faces. It gets annoying. Um, I remember in the group chat, they, they were saying, hey, what can we do for the family? How do we step in? And all these things were going on. And I remember the coach put him on the message. like, hey, after the practice, we're going to talk to all the boys. And I was like, all right, great. So all the parents are there, and as I'm screaming at my son from the silent as he's practicing, coach comes over, Mr. Silva, I need to talk to you. I was like, man, what did I do? <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, great. And I'm talk- I thought he was going to tell me, hey, stop coaching your son. That's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? Like, calm down. You're not that good. I know, but I'm here. <laughs> he's my son. <laughs> but he surprised me because he says, hey, after the practice, I want you to pray over the kids. And I remember it stung me because, see, there's other Christians on the team. There's pastors, wives, and pastors, daughters. But of all the people, they reached out to me. And I said, Lord, what am I doing? See, your testimony will open up doors for you when you don't expect it. 
See, because when that door opened up, I had the opportunity not only to pray over the team, but I also had an opportunity to pray for the parents. Then an invitation to let them know about the one true king. I had the opportunity to let them know, hey, God is looking for you. And although this is unfair what happened to him, he's in the best hands. Now, the beauty of it all is that after I said the prayer that the child did recover, he didn't pass away. Thank God he's recovering well. But the parents are like, hey, what church do you go to? Well, I know about the service and I know the provider. Let me introduce you. This is your plan, right? (laughs) But you know what I didn't do? I didn't shy away when when the opportunity presented itself. See, because a lot of times we don't step up when the, th- when the problem or the situation comes up. And I wrote it this way. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Um, the predicament doesn't wait for you to prepare. The predicament doesn't wait for you to prepare. Because you can imagine that coach reaching out to me saying, hey, Miss Al, I need you to pray for the team. You know what, coach? That sounds great. I need to go pray and read some scripture really quick before. We- Can we do that next week? Or let me put it to you this way. Hey, I'm going through a really difficult time. Can you pray for me? So I didn't open my Bible this week, but next week I'm going to be fasting. So it's going to be a good day for me to pray for you. See, Abram, the situation when when they came knocking on his door and they told him about his nephew Lot, he didn't start training his men. They were already trained. See, because when you look at the scripture, it says that they were trained past tense. Now, from what I read, they didn't encounter any other problems. So why were they preparing for something that didn't happen? They were preparing because they knew something would occur. And if it did occur, they were ready to respond. So now I ask you, how are you spiritually preparing for the predicaments of life? How is your Monday through Saturday looking? And how are you getting ready to reach out to those that show up with the predicament? See, because, see, Abram could have done many things with his household, but he took time to train. And it's very customary in those days because we read in chapter 13 that the reason Lot went off on his own way is because him, Abraham and Lot had too much. They were wealthy. They were, they, they, God had blessed them so much that their people inside their house were fighting over space. And when they went their own ways, Lot picked the best land. It had water, had rainfalls. It looked like Puerto Rico. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I am from Puerto Rico. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's a beautiful place. Just don't stay there too long. Um, (laughs) But Abram, what he got was the worst of it all. And the reason I say that is because it was very customary in those days to, instead of going after them, they would buy their family back. So Abram, having the money, we know he was really well off. Why didn't he just take some of the silver, some of the gold, some of what he had worked really hard to, to trade it for Lot? That would have been way easier, right? Because at the end of the day, you can't bargain what you're meant to conquer. Let me say that again. Let me say it differently. Don't try to bargain what you should have been prepared for. Don't try to bargain what you should have prepared for. See, we try to bargain our way out of predicaments or we try to bargain with God. You know that prayer. We've all said it at least. I know I've said a few growing up. I still do every time once in a while. God, if you get me out of this one, I promise. I promise. Lord, if you just let me get these new Jordans, Lord, I will, well, I'm going to get my ties the rest. <laughs> Nobody else likes shoes the way I do. Okay, cool. 
Don't try to bargain. There's a reason why we encourage you to join a life group. There's a reason why we encourage you to read your Bible. There's a reason why we tell you, hey, connect with God on a daily basis. It's yes. Is it uncomfortable? And is it, does it take part of your time? Absolutely. But it is well worth it. Let me give you guys a freebie. The Abraham, it says that when, when the situation presented itself in the, in the rest of verse 13, it says that he went to his house for the trained man. We talked about that Abram was wealthy. He could have hired a whole army to go after these other four kings. After all, there were only four. Why didn't he? He went to his household. He went to his community, a.k.a. his life group. Some of you guys are like, what's a life group? On our website, on our Southridge app that we announced, there's a great link called Life Groups. <laughs> yes, it is a spoken uh, message. Um, but what I'm trying to say is the reason he went to his life group is the reason we encourage it so much is it's important to have people in your corner. See, because a lot of times when the predicament shows up, we find it hard to, how do I stand alone in this? There's a group in our church called the Joyful Overcomers, and I'm part of the, yes, there you go. You're loud and proud. I'm right here, pastor. <laughs> Sounds like a football game. <laughs> And what I love about this group is every week they take prayer requests and they follow up. And I've seen with my own eyes how when the predicaments show up to people in their group, they all join together and help that particular person or family. See, a lot of times we say, hey, we only meet once a week. What else can I do? Join a life group. See, when Abram saw, found himself in a predicament, he didn't go, Lord, what did I do? He just went. Because he was ready, and he took the people that were doing life with him. There's a reason why we encourage you to join a life group, because we don't want you to do life alone. We are stronger together. We are moved forward together. Abram took the people from his house, not the neighbor's house, his house. Your life group is standing with you to be with you in the good times and in the bad times. Your life group is there to pray with you when, you're not, when you feel like you can't do it anymore because I've been on the other side of that prayer. See, but the reason we often don't prepare for what we should is because we worry. How many of us just worry about stuff, right? I have a passenger, a constant passenger that I can't get rid of. She worries all the time when I drive, and I drive great. I'm not going to say any names, but she worries all the time. It's like, there's two football lengths ahead of me. I know they're breaking. I see them. <laughs> right? And because we worry, we get anxious. We, we, we just, we feel like we're paralyzed, right? And we don't prepare for the predicament. We don't prepare to chase after our one because we're so worried. We're so worried that we never go after that one. God never stopped chasing you. So why would you stop going after your one? See, I'm a, I'm a result, me here. I'm a result of somebody who didn't stop chasing me. When I wanted to call it quits, when I was ready to just give up on church, God, and everything in between, there was somebody who didn't stop praying for me. And it had me thinking, instead of worrying, what did they do? They were concerned. And some of you guys will me say, that's the same thing. No, it's not. I looked it up. Yes, I did. Worry and concern are two different things. And I wrote it this way. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down for me. Your concern for their salvation has to be greater than their rejection. 
your concern for their salvation has to be greater than their rejection. See, because worry is when a situation is controlling you and you're no longer controlling the situation and how you respond to it. So at the end of the day, worry is concern gone haywire. Now concern, I like concern. Concern is a calculated consideration and assessment of actual danger. So you evaluate the situation. You don't freak out, right? It's more fact-based and geared towards problem solving. Let me give you some examples. Gentlemen, you won't understand this, but the ladies will, right? Worry sounds like this. What if I can't fit into that dress? But concern says, I'm going to have to watch what I eat if I'm going to fit into that dress. Let me give you another example. This applies to all of us. I talked about it in growth tracks this morning. What if I'm late? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Concern says, I better leave 15 minutes early to avoid construction delays. But I I, got to finish watching the show. Mm, Right? (laughs) Worry says, there's a strange pain. What, What if this is serious? But concern says, if I'm uncomfortable tomorrow, I'll call the doctor. No sense in worrying about it right now. How about this one? What if she says no? What if he says no? Right? Because we're, we're often afraid of rejections. See, there is worry and there's concern. Worry is insecurity driven from the inside out and is bad for you. Concern, concern is driven by circumstances and it's from the outside in and it is good for you. See, because in Genesis 12, we talked about Abraham being all brave and going after Lot. But in Genesis chapter 12, I even know we're looking at 14, but Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was wary. See, because there was a drought in the land, so he took his household, his life group, he took him into Egypt. And he was so wary that he would be killed that he told his wife, and husbands, I highly recommend you don't do this. If you have a girlfriend, don't do this at all. He told his wife, hey, I'm going to tell them you're my sister because in case they want you, I don't want them to kill me. (laughs) But yet here we are in chapter 14 and he hears about his nephew Lot and he doesn't blink a night. He's gone. He takes these people. We're riding out tonight. Let's go. Turn up the car. (laughs) Right. He doesn't even hesitate. So what happened between Genesis 12 and where we find ourselves now in Genesis 14? His dependence on God grew. His concern, he went from being worried to being concerned. See, when you start depending more on God, worry goes away. And you say, hmm, I know I'm, con- I'm, I'm supposed to be worried about this, but the Bible tells me uh, don't be anxious about anything. Isn't that what we read this morning, Kathy? Be anxious about nothing, but instead pray about everything. See, I could be worried and stand still, or I could be concerned and start moving forward. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He was outman because he only had 318 men and he was going against four kings. He was going on a suicide mission, but he wasn't he wasn't worried. He was really concerned. He was genuinely concerned for his nephew. So then I ask you, are you concerned enough about your one? See, because concerned is spelled like this, L-O-V-E. For those of you that are still trying to put it together, spelled love. (laughs) For God so loved the world. God loved you enough. He was concerned enough so much about you that he sent his only begotten son 
to die on the cross for you and I. He said it another way, right? He said he, said he was concerned about you when he talked about the parable of the 99 sheep and they lost one, right? 97, 98. Not, we're missing one. I know you guys could take care of yourselves, but I have to go after that one that was lost. And everything is okay. And, and you think it's like, hey, why is he leaving me until it is you he's going after? See, Lot didn't deserve to be saved after he gave Abraham that crappy land that we talked about, right? He had everything going for him. See, but Abraham's concern, his love was greater than the, than the situation that had occurred. A lot of us don't go after our one because we're still offended about what they said. But let me tell you, salvation has nothing to do to with what they did to you. It has everything to do with the eternal salvation. Because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God answers prayer. Right. That's the reason we wrote their names, because we're worried about them. But are we concerned enough to move from our seats to go get them? And I know it's not easy to process. and I don't mean to come at you this hard. But let me tell you, if we're just stayed worried about our ones, we're never going to reach them because worried keeps you stuck. It doesn't move you. Concern makes you uncomfortable, but it causes you to confront the situation. See, because you could prepare all you want, but you could still be worried. You could train all you want, doesn't mean you're going to use it. You could read all you want, you could pray all you want, but are you really concerned enough to confront them about their eternal salvation? Are you concerned enough to worry about your own salvation? See, because when we talk about going Monday through, Monday through Saturday and having uh, preparing spiritually or having a connection with God, it's, it's hard to think about, hey, what about me? We become a little bit selfish, don't we? Can I tell you, you just have to show up. Can I tell you that the word says that he who draws near to me, I draw near to them. So there's a parable where, uh, this is where my Spanish gets the better of me. El hijo prodigo, the prodigal son. See, it works better when I translate it. <laughs> the prodigal son, he says he ends up coming back. And the story of the parable says in the Bible that when his father saw him at a distance, he ran towards him. See, the father is always looking out to where you are. And if you ever feel like you can't make it, you just have to start taking the right steps in the right direction. See, you can't lead people to, you can't take people where you've never been. So if you need to start today, today's a great opportunity to start walking in the right direction. See, because there's something that could change everything. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The power of one. The power of one. See, we talked about how important it is to pray for your one, and that's why we wrote all those names down, and the difference that one person can make. But did we talk about the power of you? See, a lot of times we pray for God. We pray for our one. We pray, God, please move them where they are. God, I need you to reach out to where they are. Hey, God, my one is far away. But did you know that the answer to that prayer is you? What do you mean, Miss Allah? There's a reason why I pray. God is preparing. If he put them in your scope, it's because he wants you to be the answer that they're praying for. 
See, the survivor, there was multiple survivors because it says one of the survivors, as we read in the scripture earlier. Why did he go to Abraham? See, he went to the one that could do something about it. See, your friends are coming to you because they know you have the power. What power? Holy Spirit power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. You have the ability to lead them to follow Jesus. But a lot of times we say, oh, that's not me. If you knew about me, like, I'm, I'm definitely not the one, Pastor. I'm wearing a Raider jersey. I'm definitely not the one. <laughs> I'm a Steelers fan. We're hurting this season. I give you guys a freebie. Right? But your life, everything that happens to you, whether it's your consequence or not, God could use it for good. The reason God put them in your path, the reason you're worried about them, is because God wants to use you to bring them to him. See, the survivor could have gone anywhere else, but he knew the one that could actually change the situation. He knew there's a person that, although he may not have all the resources, would be the one to connect them to the one to with the resource to provide the freedom. In verse 16, if you could put that up for me really quick. Verse 16, when we read it, look what it says. He brought back all the goods. Can anybody say with me all? All the goods and his relative lot and his goods. Mission accomplished. Done. But he didn't stop there. Look at the last line of the verse. As well as on top of, in addition to the cherry on the Sunday, whatever you want to call it, the woman and the other people. See, a lot of times we say, I don't have to go after my one. But Lot, when he went after his one, he brought five kingdoms. He liberated five kingdoms. Because guess who was in those, in those people that he brought back? If you continue reading the chapter when you're at home, you see that the kings that were, that were held captive were also set free. But that wasn't, that wasn't Abraham's purpose. See, a lot of times we think that, hey, my purpose is just to save one. But you don't know the power that you have or the influence or the impact that's going to generate to their community. See, we want to change the city of San Jose. We don't want to change this place. We want to change the city of San Jose. And I say we don't want to change this place because we, wanna, we want God to work through you. See, the power of one, the power of you, you have the power to reach your one. Hypothetically speaking, if you reach your one, everybody here reaches their one. There's about what? Uh, ushers, 80, 90 people here. So let's say 100. Let's round it up. I like whole numbers. Everybody brings their one. That's 200 next Sunday. Those 200 reach one more. That's 400. Those 400 reach one more. That's 800. I'm getting good at math, huh? I'm good. (laughs) The 800 reach one more. That's 1,600. 1,600 reach one more. That's 3,200. 3,200 reaches another one. 6,400. And I'm losing track here. I can't go past 64. (laughs) If you and I would believe that the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. We go after our one. We would empower the next one to do the same. And we would start with our neighbors. The neighbors would translate into our communities. The communities would translate. 
would translate into our households. Then it becomes a community, then the city, then the state. But you have to believe that you have the power to lead somebody to Jesus. That's all you need to prepare Monday through Saturday. That's where your concern has to be greater than their rejection. See, because you could believe in the power, but if you're not concerned, you won't go. Or, or maybe is it that you want to go and you are concerned, but you just didn't prepare? See, today's message is a message to call and a call to action. Because I believe sometimes we just get too comfortable where we are. As long as I'm saved, I'm good. I'm in the boat. Ooh, what's up? I made it in. But what about that best friend that you hang out with every day? Or that one person you text on a regular basis? Wouldn't you want them to be there to enjoy the great things that God has for them as well? What about that one family member? Here's a hard one. What about that ex? What about the person that did you wrong? They're like, you can go to hell. No. <laughs> we talked about last week. We talked about that last week, so look it up. But see, that's not our concern. Our concern is that we lead them to Jesus. God will deal with them. Everybody stand with me. I want to close out with this illustration. Here at church, we have uh, another life group called the Foodies, the Foodies of Southridge, or the Southridge Foodies. Yes, that's right. He's over there. Yeah, you have to look it up, man. Get the app. <laughs> and it's led by uh, Bradley and Dave. And if you want to be a part of that, I highly encourage you to join. Uh, they try really good places. At least I think so. Uh, and the reason I say that is because uh, I'm also a foodie. I love trying new things. I love uh, going to places that have delicious food. But I've never been to a really good place that's been empty. And if I show up and the place is empty, I start getting concerned. Like, hmm, maybe we should just go hit McDonald's. <laughs> it should be, right? I've never seen a good place be empty. If God has been good to you, why is a chair next to you empty? If God has brought you this far and he's been this good to you, why haven't you told somebody about him? See, we're so quick to share and post and invite them to go to that one place that had the really good food, but are we really willing to share and tell people about the great things he has done in your life? Most of you could almost reach and see an empty chair next to you. Some of you guys are praying for a family member to sit there. Some of you guys are praying for a relative. Some of you guys are praying for a friend. Let me tell you that we're praying with you. But God wants to use you to bring them here. That's going after your one. Because something good is worth sharing. Something good is not worth keeping to yourself. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're the one that says, you know what, Messiah, I've been running for far, far enough from God. And I'm ready to receive him as my one true savior.
And with every head bowed, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand there where you are. And I would love to pray with you or we would love to pray with you. The second invitation I'm going to make is if you found yourself not being prepared, not being concerned enough about your one, or maybe you didn't know the power that was in you to go after your one, I'm going to invite you to make an altar there where you are. And I'm going to say a prayer for all of us. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and I thank you, Jesus Christ, because you are creating a burden in us to go after our one. Lord, I ask if we don't feel prepared that you would just help us take the next step. That our heart would burn and that we would be concerned enough, Jesus Christ, to reach out to those who need you. Lord, and that we would believe in the power of one. I thank you for everyone who is here, and I thank you for the encouragement, the boldness. I thank you for the way you are going to pour out over them, Jesus Christ, so that they would go after their one, the same way you came after each and every one of us. Lord, if there's anybody who feels like they're tired after chasing after their one, I ask that you would give them new strengths. Lord, if they feel hopeless, that you would bring them hope. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the great testimonies we're going to hear as, as each and every one of us go after our one. That we would be concerned enough to be uncomfortable, Lord, and confront them about their eternal salvation. I thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.